It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.06 on a Saturday morning, 75 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. You may think you have a simple question or a question that you never have actually heard answered before, or you have a question about organic gardening, or you have a question about what to do about this thing or that thing. Give me a call. I give you an idea of what is right, what is wrong, and what really works in life these days. 404-872-0750 is my number. And Kevin in Dawsonville dialed those numbers just a few minutes ago, and here he is on the line. Hey, Kevin, good morning. Hey, morning, Walter. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, Kevin? I'm trying to identify a pepper plant that I purchased as a Cajun bell pepper, but it is not. Hmm. Uh I've sort of looked at pictures online and stuff like that. Uh, the pepper, you know, started out green, then it turned red, and yeah. they're getting a shade of black to them. They're about inch and a half, two inches long, bigger around as your finger. Yeah. But uh, I found one on online that said Dracula chili pepper or something like right. that. Right, yeah. Where, where did you buy the plant locally or buy it online? Where did you get the original plant? I, I bought it locally at a feed and seed. Yeah. So when I bought all my plants from my garden, and Got it. they were labeled uh, Cajun Bell. But <laughs> yeah, I think somewhere the labels got mixed up or something, Kevin, because obviously it does, does not sound like Cajun Bell Pepper. No, it should be big. No, it should it, be it, like a bell pepper. But yours is more of a spicy, one of those yeah, it, colors. Yeah, extremely hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you just... Chalk it up to experience to say next time, hopefully somebody labels it correctly. I, I've seen kids, Kevin, I've seen kids at nurseries pick labels out of um, plants and just make a little collection to show their mom and say, look, I have a collection of flowers here, these labels. And the mother, of course, slaps <laughs> her hand and says, no, put those back. So the kid goes back and puts them where he wants to in the, uh, yeah. in the pot. So it could happen that way. You just, you just roll with the flow. That's the way it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one quick question on the lady before Betsy or whatever. Yeah. The caterpillars. Yeah. Uh, I know you like to use organic stuff or whatever, but I, I got the caterpillars in my squash and I put some seven dust on them. Will that do anything for the caterpillars or do I need to go with that BT stuff you were talking about? It will kill the caterpillars. The key is to get it on there early enough, just when the flower has fallen off that little bitty squash on your vine. Put the seven on then, and then make sure, Kevin, that you only use seven in the evening. Don't use it during the day, because by using it in the evening, you try to do as much as you can to avoid the honeybees and things that pollinate squash, which you got to have pollination to make a squash um, grow on a, on a squash vine. If you don't have insects, you don't have squash, so we don't want to kill okay. the bees. So using the seven very judiciously and very Precisely, right there on the on the fruit, right after the flower drops off, and try to keep it away from other flowers on your squash plant. Okay, yeah, I, I picked all the squash off of it, you know, where they was in it, and yeah. I, I, you know, I cleared the plant out, so trying yeah. to start again, trying to help get rid of them. <laughs> I got you, I got you. Well, good luck with it, Kevin. Thanks for calling. Thank you much. Hey, man, we'll see you soon. 
we got uh, Ashley in Dallas, Georgia. Hey, Ashley, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm very well. How can I help, Ashley? I am a new homeowner, and I have been trying to beautify our garden, and I have two questions for you. Hey. Um, my husband and I took up the bushes that they had put in with the homeowner package and replaced them with some boxwoods. And I wanted to put some azaleas in front. When sure. is going to be the best time to plant those? Should I wait until like September or October? Mm. You got a vacation plan? No, you probably don't because you just bought a house. I know you don't have a vacation <laughs> plan. So that's important information because they need to. Be, if you plant them now, azaleas will need to be watered from now until it cools off in in September usually. So if you okay. want to plant them now, yes, you can plant them now. If you promise to water them faithfully between now and cool weather if you right. choose not to plant them now then wait till september when it's cooler and they'll plant then without as much worry about water okay okay awesome um second question mm -hmm. so hydrangeas are my absolute favorite and right. i wanted to put a bush on the side of the garden but that area gets sun basically from early morning until almost sundown is that yeah. still going to be okay, or would it be better to put it in more of a partial shade location? Are you in love with the, the one we call mop head hydrangeas that have the blue and the pink flowers, or could it be any hydrangea, or what's your choice? Because I have some that can take sun perfectly well, but they're not going to be mop head pink and blue. I love the mop head, but if I have to do something else, like a different species, that would work better. I'm totally okay with that as well. Then totally okay with Ashley. You need either limelight or little lime both of which as the name implies the flowers come out white and they fade to this gorgeous <clears throat> green color of the flowers i just love how limelight looks i see them all over atlanta right now you may right. as you drive around start noticing the the green hydrangeas those are limelights the other okay. kind of hydrangeas to think about are the ones that are <laughs> i call the the food names the vanilla strawberry vanilla sundae um, there are a couple of other food name hydrangeas. All of them can take a lot of sun. They don't care at all about being in full sun. Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, be looking for plants as we get off the phone. <laughs> and let me tell you something else, Ashley. When you plant, whenever you plant azaleas or hydrangeas, Mm -hmm. Make sure that you sort of open up the root ball. Use your fingers or, or even a fork or a stick or something to make the roots really spread out. Don't just dig a hole as big as the root ball and plop it in like a cork. But right. you know, loosen the roots real nicely, sort of spread them out. You want those roots to go as far as they can, as fast as they can, to start exploring the soil around, to get the nutrients, to get the moisture and everything they need. And I don't want you to make any mistakes and have the azalea or hydrangea sort of languish there because it doesn't spread out very quickly. And you can help it by starting it out by spreading the roots apart from each other. Perfect. Would you recommend that I plant or I guess get a good amount of soil in there because it's a lot of red clay right there. We, we, when we transferred the boxwoods yeah. in, we bought several bags. It's, it, I think it's a good idea. As long as you're amending a large area and planting azalea, hydrangea, and other shrubby boxwoods, you already said. And if you have a large area, it doesn't, doesn't hurt me at all for you to buy some planting soil or some soil uh, conditioner, they call it, the organic stuff that you can add to the soil. Just dig it all in to make the clay more open and drain okay. a little bit better, too. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. All I right. love your show. Great talking to you, Ashley. Thanks for calling.
Comes now, Miss Sue in Dunwoody with a question about her voles. Hey, Sue, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? How many voles do you have, Sue? Oh, God, we're overrun. So uh, I know what you would tell me about uh, moles, but in the case of a vole, yes. there is a soil, uh, a packaged soil amendment that claims that it it prevents uh, voles because yeah. it's got a little irritant in the soil. Are you talking the vole block, the the compre- the uh, slate, the expanded slate that's been ground up? Is that what you mean? Actually, this is called soil perfector. Oh, same stuff. Okay, got it. Okay, so what I'm looking for is to be able to buy that irritant in a larger bag, sure. just that ingredient. Then go to garden centers and frankly sue i see this sold more at the like hardware stores than i see it sold at garden centers like pike for instance sell soil perfector but they sell it in little bitty bags like 10 or 20 pounds less than that sometimes and the same stuff is also called permatil p-e-r-m-a-t-i-l-l permatil permatil yes okay and it's the same stuff as the soil perfector as the bold block it's all expanded slate which has been ground to a certain small size and the theory is that if you mix it in with the soil around plants that voles attack that it causes the soil to collapse around the voles so he doesn't want to dig there very often and so it just sort of deters them by changing the environment in which they dig but soil perfector bowl block and permatil are all the same thing expanded slate okay good so hopefully permatil is less expensive because we need a lot. Yeah, well, it's ten bucks a bag, but <laughs> you decide your wallet. You know how thick your wallet is. You decide. Okay. Not very thick, but okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. You bet, Sue. Thanks for calling. Great talking to you. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is my number. In the next uh, half hour, we'll have Jeff and Ken who has a plum tree and needs to pollinate. Kay and Bishop wants to know about cutting the blooms off of caladiums. Now, you didn't know that caladiums bloom, did you? Well, they do. He has a question about what to do about that. John Decatur has a yellow jacket nest in the ground. He did the bowl thing. He put a clear glass bowl over the top of the yellow jacket nest. He's going to give us a report on what he did and what happened with that. Again, 404-872-0750 this morning. And don't forget, you can always go to my website and get questions answered there and subscribe to our newsletter. It comes out every other Thursday And this past one was a great one. We had all sorts of things, plus grassy weeds of summer, how to identify the grassy weeds you might have in your lawn. You can get the the newsletter by subscribing at my website up in the upper right-hand corner. It's free. It's totally free. comes out every other Thursday. It has lots of good information in it. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. T'was just a garden in the rain Close to a little leafy lane. Well, we're not sure about all this, but a quick weather update brought to us family roofing. Some scattered thunderstorms today, high of 88, low of 72. Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms, cloudy, high of 86, low of 71. So we don't know where the garden in the rain is going to be quite the prediction, possibly. Isolated, perhaps. We'll see. John and Decatur did an experiment, and I want to hear some results. John, so what did you do? 
Um, well, I used the method with a lawnmower and cargo shorts to find the yellow jacket nest in the first place. <laughs> Absolutely, 100% accurate. You can find them really easily. And then I uh, uh, waited till sundown, yep. and uh, so I, I watched where to find the hole, and it's about the size of a 50-cent piece. Yep. So I took a clear glass bowl on Thursday evening, and I put it over the hole, and then yesterday I watched them be angry, and <laughs> this morning they're, they're uh, angry still. I, I understand why it's a clear bowl now. It gets hot underneath uh, there, and it's fun to watch them too. So yeah, without getting stung, you know not to flip it back over. Yeah, right. Exactly. Good. Uh, good point. It, what should I do next? Hang out, get a beer, uh, watch okay. it for a long uh, time. Okay. How long should it take? What'll happen? I think, John, over the next two or three days, if we have nice sunny days, the heat inside the bowl will kill the yellow jackets underneath. In other words, the just the greenhouse effect gets hot. The air underneath the bowl gets pretty hot. One of the things, though, that others have told me is that sometimes they'll dig a hole, an escape passage away from the bowl or underneath the edge of the bowl. So keep your eye out if you have a brick or something to hold the bowl tightly to the ground, maybe seal around it with a shovel full of dirt or something like that. Don't let them get out, because when they get out, they have John on their mind. <laughs> you are yeah. going to be enemy number one. They've seen me on the other side of the bowl. Yeah, right. They know what you look like. They know exactly what you look like, John. So uh, be careful in that regard. But, you know, again, watch them and see what happens and all. I have, you know, I have a video. Did you see this on my website, John? No, I, I heard you talk about it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I see, go, I'll go check the video. <laughs> yeah, if you just type in my, go to my website and type yellow jacket, two words, yellow jacket. I think the first um, link that comes up has the video that the guy sent me years ago. And it has a clear glass bowl, bricks on top to hold it down, and about a million yellow jackets inside going, this is not good. (laughs) So, um, as again, try it and and, and report back maybe next Saturday, John. Give us a report of what happened finally after two or three or four days, and we'll check in with you again. Okay, thanks for all the advice. All right, John, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for calling. Yeah, yellow jackets, they are, again, they are a beneficial insect. I don't, don't want to say gratuitously we kill all the yellow jackets, but sometimes when you're mowing the lawn and you find one with your cargo pants, then you need to get rid of those yellow jackets in your yard when you get close to them. And again, go to my website, yellow jacket, two words, and see some details on how to control them. Tomorrow, of course, is Sunday. What happens on Sunday? Somebody, I'm not sure who it is, comes and puts the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday edition right there by my front door. I go outside in my T-shirt, and I pick it up, and I read the paper in the morning as I eat breakfast. I would not miss a Sunday with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is just fun to read, and I have other six other days a week to read it as well. And so I encourage everyone, if you want to know what really is going on in Atlanta, what's going on with local politics, what's going on with local investigations of uh, things that are not doing as they should, then the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is the place to go. As they say, they are credible, they are compelling, they are complete, and they're worth your while to know what's really going on. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. One more thing, you can. I mentioned earlier that I posted a... Uh, the post on Facebook and on Twitter yesterday about the grassy weeds of summer and also the broadleaf weeds of summer. And so if you have mimosa weed, what did I put? Mimosa weed, mulberry weed, and violets are on the broadleaf weed site. And then under the grassy weeds of summer, there's Dallas grass, Bahia grass, crabgrass, Bermuda grass are all under the grassy weeds. So again, go to my website, type in grassy weeds or type in broadleaf weeds, 
Either one of them will take you to the pages that tell you how to control those things. Mimosa weed, mulberry weed, violets, Bahia grass, Dallas grass, Bermuda grass, and whatever the third one was I just said. Nonetheless, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 76 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Gardener. You can ask me anything you like about gardening, about planting, about killing weeds or controlling weeds, managing weeds, organic gardening, anything you need to know about. We will try to find an answer for you. Ashley Frasca is here screening calls. Justin Obie is here choosing our music. And Ashley, being the happy person that she is, wants to give away the weekend prize back and bring some happiness into someone's life. She will think of a number between two and seven that determines who wins a family four-pack of tickets to see Disney's The Lion King, the new movie, the Disney's The Lion King, at the, um, get my glasses up here to remember which theater. I think at any movie theater. Any I movie think. theater. Okay. Fandango movie tickets. Yeah, any movie theater. In theaters, Friday, July 19th. So, four-pack of tickets to see The Lion King, July 19th. Actually, who wins? Which number do they have to call first? The wrong phone's already ringing. <laughs> All right, the right phone number to call is 404-741-0750 All right, that feels better Thank you, caller 3 Call number 3 to 404-741-0750 Call number 3 gets the family four-pack of tickets to see the Lion King We go to the phones, let's go to the phones and talk to Kay for a minute Hey Kay, good morning Good morning, Walter I planted lots of uh, caladiums and they're coming out beautifully But some of them are also... Blooming, and I'm wondering, does um, does that bloom divert energy away from the leaf? If so hmm. I should have cut it off, leave it, or what? You know, there are a lot of people listening. I commented earlier that did not know that caladiums actually do bloom. And why don't you describe what the caladium bloom looks like, Kay? Um, it sort of looks like the interior of like an anthurium. You know yeah. that little anthurium, uh, sure. Yeah, uh, anthurium or calla lily. Or peace uh, lily, sort of even. Keep peace lily, yeah. Right, yes. Yeah, straight and a little sort of rough, bumpy-like thing, but hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's, that's what it is. You know, it's not a leaf, obviously. The And what color is it, Kay? Oh, I've got them all colors. So, uh, gosh. Oh, it's white? Is, is the bloom white? Yeah. I, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, the, typically, they are white for the members of the Aroid family, A-R-O-I-D. And there are lots of members of the same family, and you've mentioned several of them already. The Anthurium, spath- Spathophyllum, which is called Peace Lily by most people. Mm-hmm. Um, Caladiums are members. Elephant ears are co- members of the Aroid family. Uh, Italian Arum, A-R-U-M, just like Mark Arum here, is a member of the Aroid family. And all of them have the same looking flower, that sort of palm-shaped white flower with a little hard thing sticking up, finger thing sticking up in the middle. And if you let that continue to stay on the flower, on the caladium K, if it gets pollinated by usually flies and beetles, not by honeybees or anything, but if you let it get pollinated, it will make a series of little berries up and down the hard finger-looking thing. And those berries then are the seed of a caladium and I guess theoretically could be planted. 
should leave them on there. I would leave some on just for the fun of it and see. And then, Kay, of course, your homework is to take a picture and send it to me because I don't have any caladiums that are blooming. I haven't had them for a couple of years. I'd love to see your pictures. If they get pollinated, you have berries and pictures of that as well. Okay. I certainly, I certainly will. Yeah, I, have, I put in, you asked me what color. I said, you know, because that was all my caladium yeah, leaf, the different yeah, yeah. colors. But the bloom itself is, like you said, all white, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Yeah. I'll take pictures. All right, thank you. Thank you, Kay. Thank you for calling. Great question. It's hard to know sometimes what plants are in identification, but if you see the flower of a plant, you know it's similar to another flower that you know, salvia. All salvias have the same looking flower. And there are several different kinds of species of salvia. They all have the same sort of flower because that's the way plants are divided by uh, Linnaeus, who said, you know, we'll divide things by their flower part. Arums look like this. Salvias look like that. Other plants look like the other thing, and that is how you divide plants. It's simply by the flower shape. Something interesting to study. Jeff is out in Canton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Morning, Walter. How you doing? Doing great, Jeff. What can I do for you? So I want a plum tree. Okay. uh, Do I need to get two? Is it possible that, you know, one's a male, one's a female, and I need to get two? Uh, for pollination, or just is one okay? It is not male and female. They are they have perfect flowers on a plum, but usually plums pollen is self incompatible, meaning that it needs another plum to pollinate yep. it. Not male female, but just another okay. plum with different kind of pollen. Well, I was I was worried about the apple. You know the 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 test. Of how do you know if they're a male or female? Right, 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 right. Adam's apples, and so I don't know what I was going to do. But, uh, <laughs> it's good to get two uh, plum trees, Jeff, and plant them near enough to each other. Twenty-five, fifty feet is fine, but uh, okay, one is, will is get some like... plums. You'll get more plums, better sized plums if you have two plum trees near each other. Is that something like pike would have? Oh yeah, sure. Pike okay. has. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's all sorts needed... of plums to get. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your show. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for calling. You have a good day. We got Linda in Cognitors. Linda has a common problem at this time of year. Hey, yes, Linda, sir. good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. What have you got? Um, we have millipedes, thousands upon thousands yeah. coming into our house. And um, we've sprayed, and it will kill them, but the next time it rains, the house is filled with them again. Yeah, and sure. they're on the inside and outside, it's terrible. And of course, you recognize that rain has something to do with it. They love moisture. And mm-hmm. particularly what they love is the uh, moist areas underneath mulch. So the way I recommend that people control millipedes is, number one, change the environment. Rake all the mulch from the foundation of the house and around the garage, around the walkways and things where you see a bunch of them crawling across the concrete, but rake all the mulch away and replace it with fresh mulch that is a lot drier. You know, the fresher mulch will be a lot drier than the old stuff that's been there for years and years. And so rake that all away and replace it. Secondly, get any landscape insecticide, any general purpose landscape insecticide, seven or another product called eight, or the spectricide has one and various other product names. Nonetheless, get one of those sprayable insecticides and make a little band that you spray on the mulch around your house, on down by the walkways and patio and places like that. You might also spray a two-foot band up the foundation wall if you want to around the house, too. And so that band up the foundation and out in the mulch will generally control most millipedes. Okay. Well, we've been using Ortho's Home Defense. Yeah. 
Sure. Any, anything like that would that would, would be work good. fine. That would work fine. But again, the environment is the thing to work on controlling or changing first. Change the environment, and you minimize the millipedes, minimize the millipedes by changing the environment so it's not as moist as it was. That's what they want: is moisture. Eliminate mm-hmm. the moisture, and you eliminate most of the insects. Is there any uh, any particular kind of mulch? We have pine straw around the house. Would the um, the heavier mm. um, tree mulch do better? I don't know. I don't know of any research says one or the other, Linda. I would simply make it fresh and open and sort of porous so it dries out faster after a rain. I think that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for, something that dries out pretty fast. So I don't know that particularly straw or chips or anything that makes any difference to it. Okay. All right. That sounds great. Well, All we'll right. try that and see how it works then. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for calling, Linda. Notice, listeners, that the first thing I said is change the environment. Many times the first thing you can do to control an insect or an animal or anything else you don't like, weeds and, and too, change the environment. Certain plants, certain animals, certain insects have certain environments that they like, just like human beings do. I don't live in Death Valley. I don't live in the Amazon. I don't live in places that are not hospitable to me. I like living in Atlanta. (laughs) So if I change the environment around an insect or a plant or a weed or a critter, then that is more likely to get them to move and be not in your landscape somewhere somewhere else. And that's how you do the first thing to think about. Why are they here? Why are they here and not in somebody else's yard and not in my yard? Jay is in Jefferson and joins us. Hey, Jay. Good morning. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, man, it's doing all right. What's up? Yeah, so um, we bought this house about a year and a half ago, and the front landscaping area where you plant bushes and everything was just covered in gravel. And it had a couple of big bushes. I took those out, and we planted gardenias and put down mulch and the plastic lining. But we've got one bush that will not grow. We've replaced Mm. it about four times. Man. And it's just, we keep having to replace it, never bloomed. It is on the edge of the the flower bed yeah. in the front. Hmm. There's some Leland cypress off to the side of it. It's not in contact with it or anything, but yeah. I don't think I don't that would have any roots or effect something. on it. You know, Jay, this might be a chance to say the environment is probably what's going on there. One of the things I know that gardenias don't particularly like is having wet feet. Is there any chance that there's a gutter nearby, a downspout, or is there any chance that the sidewalk near the gardenias tilts to one side to dump water there when it rains? Is there any chance the soil around the gardenia gets soggy frequently? Well, yeah, now that you mention it, there is a gutter here. It's kind of going towards the other side off the house, but, I mean, I guess it could maybe flow down here if it had a heavy mm-hmm. rain. I mean, it's right right beside it. I mean, yeah. it could be. I'm touching the soil right now. It's a little damp underneath where the plastic is. Yeah. <clears throat> and tell me more about the plastic, too, Jay. I heard you say you put the plastic liner down. Tell me more about that, please. Yeah, so there was a lot of weeds that were growing up under the gravel, and it was just not maintained the last 10 years, Got it. like right around the house. So in an effort to get rid of the weeds, we have this uh, plastic liner down. Ah. Um, you know, we kind of dug down a couple inches and put the liner down and then the mulch over it. So, <clears throat> Generally speaking, Jay, I'm not in favor of putting the plastic weed barrier or solid. Some people put solid plastic down. All of those inhibit 
weed growth somewhat, but the more what they inhibit is oxygen and moisture movement back and forth in the soil. So on mm. the whole, on the whole, looking at it from uh, sort of the whole environmental thing, I typically tell people don't put the plastic uh, weed preventer or the plastic bags or the plastic whatever liners on the ground because, mm. again, it inhibits moisture and, and oxygen from the soil going up and down. So that possibly might be something that keeps the uh, soil around the gardenia from drying out quickly because it can't get through the plastic, you know. So maybe that's something to consider removing around your gardenia to see if that improves the environment for it. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. So, yeah, I'll definitely try that. And um, we're probably going to have to plant a new bush here pretty soon. Yeah, so I'll try <laughs> I got that. it. <laughs> well, the fourth one, fifth one you got there, yeah. It's a baby at the end there. All right, man. I appreciate the, right. uh, the call. Yeah. One one more thing, Jay. If you want to get a little bit of extra soil from somewhere in the woods behind the house, you don't have to get some mm-hmm. special bag soil. But build that place up, that spot, a little bit higher than other places around it. So it's just a little bit higher. gets a little bit better drainage, a little bit better opportunity for roots to go into dry soil rather than mm-hmm. wet soil. See okay. if building it up doesn't help you a little bit, too. Okay, yeah. I'll All right. It's a great All question, right. Jay. I do, do appreciate your call. It's a great question and a good thing to remember. Changing the environment is the thing you do to either make a plant do better or to make pests go away. It's 747. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Morning, the Lawn and Garden Show, and a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Some scattered thunderstorms today, high of 88, low of 72. Tomorrow, isolated thunderstorms and cloudy, high of 86, low of 71. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This past week, I saw a post that just was inspirational, and my friend Ashley Frasca was involved in that whole experience and the post that, uh, that was done as a result. So, Ashley, tell me more about Devon Gales and why and why his home was built and what they were doing moving into it. So many people in Atlanta and, of course, Bulldog fans know the name Devon Gales. He was the Southern University player from Louisiana played against UGA in September of 2015 and unfortunately became paralyzed after a collision with our kicker, Marshall Morgan. So Atlanta embraced him immediately. Coach Rick at the time made sure that he got the best care, uh, went to Shepherd Center after the accident happened. So he is still paralyzed from the waist down. I think he's maybe 23, 24 years old now. But that, and, that wasn't, for, wasn't he first from neck down paralyzed? Initially, yeah. It was, it was really, really he... scary. So um, after... A lot of work at the Shepherd Center. Oh, right, now he's right, regained right. mobility above his waist. Um, but there was a promise made by Coach Richt and Ron Corson, who is the head of athletic training at UGA. We're going to build you a handicap accessible home. And there were wow. ups and downs with that promise and people that were in and out of that promise. Well, we made it happen. This week, the house was completed by Curahee Home Builders in Jefferson after 342 days. 
Wow. And so what is the house? Is it furnished or just an empty house? Or what did you do? What, what's the house like? Uh, there were 94 different contractors that all came together <laughs> to do different sections of the house. Yeah. Everything from HVAC, flooring, outdoor kitchen, lighting, electricity, everything. And um, American Signature Furniture is a family-to-family partner with Channel 2, so they stepped forward, furnished the entire home. Mm. We had um, handicap-accessible companies come forward, make sure he has a 500-square-foot rehab room that is everything he could ever need to train and really gain strength back to be able to walk again. And what was your association with Ashley yourself? Because I see you in every one of the posts. It's you and Devon, you and doing this, that, and the other. So Captain Herb, Emery, you know, uh, the traffic teams met wonderful people through Captain Herb. And right. so one of the relationships I have maintained is with Jim Butterworth. And he's done a lot of things. He's, he's a very well-known name here in Georgia as well. So he reached out to me when he, you know, really got on board about two years ago and said, how can WSB help? You know, we got to get this kid a house. He's been promised. And, and how can we do it? So I just kind of thought, well, I can... Have our boss maybe run some 30-second commercials, you know, talking about the construction fund. And I just met the family, fell in love with them. So I've been on board since April of last year, kind of on the executive leadership team to get this done. And fundraisers, it's been an awesome journey. So August 10th, for anybody that really wants to participate and see the good things this community has done, August 10th, we're going to have a big block party style celebration at their neighborhood. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have to tell you, it makes my it makes it makes my heart water. Let's say, actually, it really was something. That just an outpouring of love for this kid. He didn't want to be injured. He knew the danger in a football game. Sometimes there are things that happen in a football game, and there he was injured. He's from a small university. His family is not that you know all that well off. But all of a sudden, because the promise of the University of Georgia, we uh, take responsibility. You know, he wasn't on our team, but he takes our. We take responsibility for him and giving him this house that he can live in, and live in productively the rest of his life. That's just a wonderful story. Huge congratulations and a thank you to Bulldog Nation and everybody who gave. You got a website? Anything we can go to see details about it? Uh, Buildfordevon.com. Or on Facebook, it's Build for Devon. You can follow the Facebook page. Great. Thank you, Ashley. That's a great, great story. 758. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.